The flight deck is made possible by the generous donors supporting the Museum of Flight. You can support this podcast and the Museum of Flight's other initiatives across the United States and the world by visiting museumofflight.org slash podcast. Hello and welcome to The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. I am your host, Sean Mobley. On May 26, 2018, a new exhibit opens at the museum, telling the stories of the people involved in the air war in Vietnam, along with showcasing some of the aircraft used in the conflict. One of the most recognizable aircraft from the Vietnam War is the Bell UH-1 helicopter, affectionately nicknamed Huey. For today's episode, another in our Personal Courage series, I sat down with Jerry Souza and David Wagoner, two Vietnam veterans who today volunteer as docents at the museum to learn more about this helicopter and what it meant to everyday soldiers serving in Vietnam. I'm here with two of our docents at the Museum of Flight who are also Vietnam veterans who are very experienced with one of the most iconic aircraft in the conflict, the Huey. First here I have David Wagner. Hello today. Hi, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Good, thank you. And I'm also here with Jerry Souza. And good morning. Jerry, what was your involvement with the Huey? What role did you play with the aircraft? Uh, my role with the Huey was I was a uh, crew chief on a uh, Huey down at Fort Benning, Georgia. So that's how I became involved with the uh, Huey. And David, how about yourself? Um, I was a platoon leader in Vietnam, and I had 12 to 15 combat uh, soldiers that would go to the field every day, and we would fly in the Huey. What is the role of the crew chief in the whole operation? Okay, the role of a crew chief is every morning I'd beat the uh, pilots down to the flight line, my job was to do the pre-flight inspection. So I'd inspect the helicopter, make sure it was fueled, all the oil levels were up. I'd open up inspection panels to make sure uh, there was no damage. And then I'd fly with the helicopter wherever it went. And then once we got back to the airfield, my job is to do a post-flight inspection, which was again to do all the inspection panels, fuel the aircraft, make sure the oil levels are all correct and ready for the next day's flight. And if there was any major maintenance, then it was my job to make sure that it was uh, conveyed to the maintenance uh, platoon so they could uh, do the heavy maintenance. Okay. How about you, David? Well, my job was to make sure that all of uh, the soldiers were out on the line where the Hueys were going to land to pick us up. And obviously, we had to have some space between aircraft, and they would usually come in in a single line, and uh, we would be on both sides of the aircraft waiting. And when they landed, uh, they landed in a landing zone, which we called an LZ. Once we got a thumbs up from somebody on the bird, we uh, hustled over and loaded on. One of the most eye-opening things I learned about our Huey is the fact that it still to this day has a few bullet holes on the bottom of it. And for someone... I, I was born after the war took place, and that, for me personally, drove home that the Huey 
was often in a very unsafe position, and the people inside it were also. Can you tell me a little bit about a ride in the Huey, what that might have been like? It was quick, and it was high, and normally we would load on, and as I talked about earlier, we didn't sit in seats. There weren't seats, so we loaded onto the floor and uh, became as comfortable as we could be. Huey would lift off, probably fly at somewhere between 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 feet, and then we would go into our LZ. That landing zone could be what we called a hot LZ, which means we expected we would be shot at as we landed. And many times we were. The door gunner on the Huey would lay down fire, and sometimes we, even with our M16s, would lay down fire as well. And we were ready to go. You didn't load and unload a Huey in five or six minutes. It was like 10 or 15 seconds. It was quick. You were out on the ground, you got down, especially if there was firing, and uh, proceeded to let the bird get away. Jerry, do you want to add to that? Yeah, when you look at uh, some statistics, there was a little over 7,000 Hueys um, used in Vietnam. Of those 7,000, 3,305 were destroyed. Yeah. So that'll give you an idea of the uh, perils that not only the crew, but the infantry went through on their combat assaults. What did you do when, a, when an aircraft came back to you? Well, when an aircraft would come back, if it had bullet holes, you had sheet metal specialists that would uh, come out, clean up the bullet hole, put a patch on, and if there was no structural damage or damage any internal components, it was back in the air within hours or the next day. So the other thing to remember, the Hueys didn't just take us into combat. The Hueys also provided dust off, and that's a unique name because... Causes a lot of dust with rotor wash when it landed. But a dust-off was a medevac or an air ambulance that would take wounded soldiers as quickly as possible to a base hospital. And it saved a ton of lives because it could get them there fairly quickly. And even those dust-offs, those ambulances, would be shot at. So uh, it was extremely important that we tried to provide security whenever we were landing or taking off in a helicopter. Is that where the term angels got associated exactly with the Huey? That's exactly why I call it uh, angels and fast movers. I was uh, evacuated one day due to uh, heat stress, and uh, they got me back to the base hospital in less than 10 minutes, which was really good. So I called it an angel because it really saved my life. Well, when you look at the uh, angel or the uh, medevacs uh, during the Vietnam War, if they were called, they always went in. Mm. I don't know that any of them ever, ever refused, no matter how hot the LZ was. And they uh, medevaced over 90,000 uh, patients during the uh, Vietnam War. So pretty impressive on the crews. Jerry, can you describe what a base might have been like in Vietnam that you would have worked on? Well, based in Vietnam, uh, we had barracks, a one-story barracks with four-man rooms with doors to the outside. The barracks were surrounded by sandbags, and along each uh, barracks we had bunkers. Uh, down on the flight line, we had revetments that the helicopters would go into every night, and that's where I would work on them was at night. Showers, we had uh, 
drop tanks from fighter aircraft <laughs> that we would fuel, fill with water during the day. So in the evening, you'd have a warm shower. The um, human excrement was put into half of a 55-gallon drum mixed with diesel fuel. That's also a smell you'll never, ever forget the rest of your life. <laughs> that is so true. Was but it burnt as excrement or for fuel or, or burnt as just to get rid of it? Just um, to get rid of it. Base camps were very rustic. We didn't get hot meals. Uh, we ate sea rations, which were canned. Today's uh, troops eat meals ready to eat, but we ate sea rations. And you did the best you could. The only wonderful thing was we had cold sodas when we got back from a, a mission, and uh, they were iced down. And uh, when you got on, off the helicopter, you look forward to coming into the base camp. I got a picture here of myself meet, meeting my, we had a dog. We bought a, we bought a dog with a six-pack of Coke and uh, a carton of cigarettes, and her name was George, and I have a picture of her uh, waiting for us to come back in the wire. And that was another thing. She was a pet, which kind of added that little lifeline to home. You know, you'd always come home to your pets. Well, she was our pet. She went home with one of our soldiers. I, I don't remember who, but she was a, a wonderful gift uh, to bring little uh, joy into life in a given day. As we open this newer addition to the Vietnam exhibit, it's going to be a topic of conversation that comes up more. As you give people tours of that exhibit, what do you hope people understand and what do you hope listeners of this understand and take away about the, the war in Vietnam? The war in Vietnam, I think, uh, don't blame the soldiers. Uh, blame the politicians if you have a problem with the uh, Vietnam War, not the soldiers. The soldiers went over doing what they were trained to do, what they're told to do by their government. Uh, right or wrong, that's how it works. So don't blame the individual soldiers. If you have a problem, blame the politicians. I think the fact that all the soldiers did the best job that they could under the circumstances. And uh, the thing you want to remember is uh, of course, we live here in the Pacific Northwest, where there's a lot of uh, rain and colder. Uh, that was a jungle. So the heat and humidity took its toll on us every day. They went out there and did their job every day, seven days a week. A lot of people don't get that. We didn't take holidays off or federal holidays. It was seven days a week. About every 45 days, we would have a stand down for three days where we could go into the base camp and kind of relax and let our hair down a little bit. But for the rest of that time, every day was mundane. Our safety and security were primary and we had to be always alert. Even when you're taking a shower, even when you're burning the, the stuff that you're talking about, um, you always had to be ready to... Uh, be in middle of combat at any moment. I cannot imagine the stress that that environment must have brought on you. Definitely, yeah. After uh, 12 months, you were uh, really glad to be home. I was. I was always glad to see the Hueys in the afternoon, always glad to see them come in. And you hated them in the morning when they took you to work, but uh, when you got back. And the other 
issue was that they were always there to save your lives. And those pilots were just incredible. They would go, go in against all odds to save uh, soldiers' lives. I have nothing but the admiration for those pilots. Well, thank you both so much for your time and for your service and for keeping those stories alive now here at the Museum of Flight. It's been my pleasure. Mine too. Thank you for joining me today on The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. Our exhibit, titled Vietnam Divided, War Above Southeast Asia, opens May 26, 2018, and is a permanent installation, which means no matter when you hear this, you can see the Huey for yourself on your next visit to the museum. Learn more about the Huey and about our exhibit in this episode's show notes at museumofflight.org podcast. There you'll also find information about Project Welcome Home, a veteran-led initiative at the museum to extend a long-overdue friendly welcome home to Vietnam veterans and commemorate those who did not make it home. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with our episodes and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you downloaded us from. You can contact the show at podcast at museumofflight.org. Until next time, this is your host, Sean, saying we'll see you out there, folks. <laughs>